0: Welcome to Logical, the Gulf region's first and still the only legal podcast. Logical is a regular weekly podcast from the Dubai-based law firm HPL, Yamalava and Pleska. I'm Tumelia, once again here at the firm's offices on the 18th floor of Reef Tower in Jumeirah Lakes Towers with the managing partner, Vladimir Yamalava. Nice to see you.
1: Pleasure to be chatting with you again.
0: So today estate planning for expatriates here in the united arab emirates uh miller now at some point we all have to prepare for the transfer of wealth and assets whether that assets life insurance a pension real estate cars whatever it might be now let me start by just setting the scene kind of personally now a wise man once told me i didn't need a will i didn't need life insurance i didn't need health insurance I was 24 at that time, but he did say to me, one day I would need a will, I would need health insurance, and I would need life insurance, and I would also need a plan, particularly if I was gonna get married and have children. So what I did was I followed his advice for more years than I probably should have done. I had a lot of fun, uh, however, and then I got married, I had children, I had two, and I realized Uh, at that point, and some people would say uh, it's a growing up point, that I had to decide to prepare. And that's when, I guess, estate planning kicked in. I had to make a plan. And that's really the first step, isn't it?
1: Well, interestingly enough, there are two other, generally, you're you're correct, but there are two other elements that are at play this day and age, and in particular, where we are based right one is uh, let's face it many young people these days make great fortunes uh, let's look at the big uh, startups uh, the, the ubers of the world and the apple like perhaps less of apple but uh, google the lots of very young uh, talent so come into a, and create huge fortunes very early on in life so perhaps that advice that you received back then could be scaled back these days um, ten years earlier uh, so uh, age is no longer perhaps as much of a factor as it was when you were being given that advice that's one the other one is the region where we're based and from where we are doing this particular recording and that is you mentioned in your intro the word expats, expatriates. So by very definition, means we are we are foreigners in this country. We are outsiders, and so this is not for a majority of us. This is not where we will end up. For I guess as I say that, I pause. Perhaps till the end of our lives. It, for you know some whose lives perhaps end prematurely, it, this will be the place. But for many, uh, for many of us, we have. This is not the only place where we have interests uh, because we come from somewhere else, and most of the time we also have some kind of interest, commercial or otherwise, in those countries. So, but being here, many of us are away from our families, away from what we know, away from our the, the legal and the cultural framework that we know. So therefore, let's say, even if you are 24 this day and age and all you have is just a bank account and, and a car, and something happens and now your family is left behind to try to figure out how, what to do with that. And because your family is far away and they don't know this jurisdiction, they don't understand this culture, It's, uh, and on top of that there could be financial restrictions for them to fly in here and figure out how things in this country work. Uh, so you can imagine the complications and the, um, the complexities uh, that the family that's already grieving will now have to deal with uh, just by virtue of the fact that you, that the person died in the place where that's not his or her home. Uh, So and that's a significant factor and we've seen many cases like that where unexpectedly a family member dies and the family from Canada, for example, reaches out, so what do we do? Uh, we don't know what he owned, what, what happened, where he lived, and it's very, very complicated. So, so there are, there are the two, those are the two reasons today where those of us who live in, in away from home perhaps should consider planning our estate earlier than would otherwise have been back in Euro days or, <laughs> or if we were still living in, in our hometown or in our home countries. And it's also because in the home countries, even if you don't have a will, there is a legal system that by now most likely has a pretty clear framework as to how the state will be disposed of or distributed. And that general framework perhaps works for most people without even having to to draft a will now in the UAE because uh, it's well, it's a muslim country so the default law here that applies to uh, applies to personal status law is uh, sharia uh, so you always right away off the off the bat you have potentially conflict of laws you have sharia if uh, if the estate is being distributed as per uh, you know, for as per sharia and you have potentially laws that you could rely on um, that would be laws of your home country if you can establish what your home country is, what your home country is, because again, there are so many couples here living with multiple nationalities, and, and when you mix that and add another, another a spouse or children, the children have different nationalities, so sometimes it's even difficult to figure out which nationality would apply to the disposition of an estate.
0: Each case is unique, clearly, but let's assume you decide to plan, Um, there are a number of things that you have to do that you have to I guess put into place for example insurance uh, a will perhaps a trust but let's just run through some of those points let's start uh, with I, I guess life insurance
1: well if I may let's just start the whatever we the the list of suggestions will will cover certainly may apply to non-muslims because okay. anything to okay. do with muslims uh, there are limited options in terms of what muslims can do away from sharia right uh, so but i will cover the muslim um, couples only because it certainly or a muslim um, case because it obviously applies if in general under sharia it's uh, the estate will be distributed as per, per Sharia, which means not as per a will. Right. Uh, now, it is possible for Muslims, however, to will one third of their estate. And a lot of people don't know that. And you can have this will drafted beforehand. And so now, obviously, when the time comes, uh, the, pro- uh, the, the matter will be how do, you, how do you prove that that will refers to one third of the estate? Uh, so, but but it is possible and it's advisable that um, all those Muslims who may consider giving, and uh, giving a will, that they do so by early on in the process. Right. Uh, otherwise, uh, the the rest of their estate will be uh, will be adjudicated as per Sharia. And with, with regards to non-Muslims, it. it the law in the UAE does allow for to, re, to rely on the laws of the testator, so the deceased home country, uh, for the application of their estate, and so and that would obviously and that would kind of depend on whether you are using the will or the using actually a court order from the home country. I mean, it's, it can be quite complex, but in general terms, a will having a will is highly advisable. So, and that is one instrument for estate planning. The other ones, like you said, life insurance. Mm. Life insurance is an instrument that's uh, very frequently used in certain other jurisdictions. Uh, and it's also available in the UAE. And in fact, uh, if um, if you were to take a mortgage in the UAE, as part of the process, the bank requires for you to have life insurance, and the proceeds of which or go to the bank. So those those instruments are available, and certainly should be considered. But I will tell you from experience, they are very rarely used or relied on in this country. But certainly something important to to remind and to at least consider to avail yourself of. Uh, then you also the, you mentioned the word trust. Trust is more complicated in this country because uh, trust, depending on, it, as a general rule, trusts are not really enforceable or recognized in the UAE. Now the DIFC, which there are separate free zone called the Dubai International Financial Center, this is a DIFC, they have recently introduced trust law. So uh, apart from the DIFC, trusts are not really recognizable here, but you can do a trust that resides outside of the UAE. So that's certainly another tool uh, that's available. But trust can be expensive. And Absolutely. so you need to really have enough money to to, uh, to make it worthwhile for you to hire and lawyers and accountants and various consultants to set up these highly complicated legal structures. Then you also mentioned, and this is very relevant, pensions. Well, in the UAE, unless you're a Emirati citizen, pensions are not usually available in just ordinary employment cases or circumstances, and that's because we don't really have a pension pension system here that's available to expats yet. However, there are discussions of um, similar system or system system to that effect being introduced, so something to wait and see. But for the time being, it's not available in the greater UAE. Uh, so pension, while otherwise is a good instrument to use elsewhere, it may not be an option here. Also, there's another instrument called the power of attorney or POA and many people deem POA to be the equivalent, if you will, of a will, but it is not so because the power of attorney, by it's very nature, it's very existence depends on or is based on that person being alive. So the minute the person dies the power of attorney dies with with that person. So that's in legal terms. Now, in practical terms, unless somebody knows that the person is no longer alive, they you, know, so you can use that physical copy of the POA and continue to use it. But it is against the law and it is considered fraud. Uh, so yet we are often being approached by people saying, hey, listen I've got a POA and so and so family, such and such fellow member has passed away. I, planning to use this on the base of the POA. Well, it's very important to highlight that that is illegal and constitutes fraud.
0: Let me uh, ask you about that. I was going to ask you about financial power of attorney. How does that or can that be under UAE law transferred to a trusted person who would effectively be seen, I guess, in other jurisdictions as an executor of an estate?
1: In short, no. Apart from doing it through the formal wills structure... You can't do just a power of attorney, in particular related to your finances. I will tell you even more in the UAE, even if the person is living, banks do not accept powers of attorney and it doesn't matter how well or specifically you draft them which may include the expressed authority for you to use my bank account the banks will not accept it so as far as finances are concerned even in the case of the living powers of attorneys are not acceptable so no and it will not it's not an instrument that's available here so to do it if you do want to entrust somebody to use it to be your guardian, trustee, it has to be done through a formal system of a will. And uh, there are a number of options uh, to do so now.
0: All right. Well, talk to me about those uh, formal options here in the UAE.
1: Well, until recently, there was one and really the only choice, and that was the, the Dubai International Financial Center Wills and Probate, or the DIFC Wills and Probate Center. And that is um, a center that allowed, expressly by law, uh, for non-Muslim expats to draft wills and have those wills registered to ensure that their estate is being distributed as per their wishes. And this was away from Sharia, and that particular law also allowed expats to include real estate assets. And the reason that particular center was introduced was because until such time there was conflict of, of law or uncertainty in laws, in application of laws uh, in the UAE. One law, the federal law on the one hand allows for a non-Muslim expat to choose the law of his or her country to apply to their estate. Mm-hmm. And then the other law on real estate Provides that for anything immovable, being real estate, sharia applies. So, and there it is. You have a conflict of law. One law that's a specific law, which is the real estate law, says fine everything, but anything related to properties is subject to sharia. So, all of a sudden, you may have you may have a court judgment that um, for all other uh, assets may apply the laws of your country, but as far as your real estate is concerned, that would be subject to sharia and there are a lot of people here in in the UAE who've invested tremendous resources into exactly that property, so for them that's not really necessarily a workable scenario. So, and it was because of this ambiguity in laws, the DiFC introduced a special system uh, called the wills and probate that allows parties to to lay out how they want their estate all of the estate real estate including uh, to be distributed furthermore that particular system introduced the provision and option for uh, for test to include uh, guardianship of their children which is huge and i'll tell you and that kind of goes back to your earlier point when do you consider doing estate planning mm-hmm. and uh, my advice is especially given the difc option of including provisions for guardianship for your children is to certainly do it when you have children and we see a lot of clients who say well the, the idea of a will sort of works for them but they don't have substantial interest here so they don't really think it's necessary but it's important to remember that it's not just about financial interest it is about children so if you have minor children in this country you certainly should consider doing a will, in the very least, and the DIFC actually does offer this, in the very least you can just do a guardianship provision, uh, which essentially lays out what happens to your children on a temporary and a permanent basis uh, in the event uh, the parents die.
0: When you say minor children, what stipulates the minor?
1: Below 21 for the DIFC.
0: Okay, so now let's get back to the uh, options open.
1: Yes, in the last year or year and a half, a few other options have arisen. One in Dubai, it's the greater Dubai, it's also now possible to register a will in Dubai courts. So this is away from the DIFC and the DIFC courts. So it's possible to register a will that in particular will include both real estate and guardianship. Historically, it was possible to do a will in Dubai courts as well, but you couldn't include real estate Or or guardianship. At least you couldn't do so with certainty that it will be enforced in the courts. Now, there's specific law that allows them, allows the courts to expressly include those provisions and for those provisions to be enforceable. So now you have Dubai courts. And also, Abu Dhabi recently included uh, uh, an option for expats to do the same. Not only that, Abu Dhabi expressly said that uh, the, their wills registered with Abu Dhabi courts can actually also include global assets. So it's no longer limited to just Abu Dhabi. It, the language presupposes that it actually can include any of the Emirates in the UAE. And on top of that, you can include whatever other global assets you may want to include. This is a huge development and that since then have led and influenced other options, including the DIFC in Dubai. So since then, even the DIFC has now introduced the option of making the world's global. So until literally just a few months ago, you could only include your Dubai-based assets, and then later it became Ras al which is one of the Emirates in the UAE, but it was only limited, all the DFC wills were only limited to your assets in Dubai or Ras al not even the rest of the Emirates. Then Abu Dhabi said, well, we don't really care, you can include any assets in any part of the country, and on top of that, you can now also include your global assets. Well, since then, the DFC has also expanded its jurisdiction and now allows the wills to include global assets, and Dubai Courts has done the same. So as of now, there are at least three different options of doing it in the UAE and and uh, any one of those options can work um, depending on the, the framework of a person's life. Uh, so if you have a lot of assets in Abu Dhabi, perhaps Abu Dhabi is a, is a more uh, reasonable place to start. Uh, if you have lots of assets in the DIFC, or your estate is quite complex, the DFC probably is a good option. And this is because both in Dubai and in Abu Dhabi courts, the wills also have to be drafted in Arabic. So anytime you draft anything in Arabic, there's some loss in translation and the, and the idea of using two versions perhaps may may be uh, difficult for someone to comprehend, especially when you're talking about figuring out how to dispose of your estate. But the plus of, of those options is the cost. It's much more economical than the DIFC. The DFC is more expensive as an option, but it is much more elaborate and more complex and, and allows and has been tested to enforce very complex um, estate planning, uh, so that for now, that's probably the most tested option for expats available.
0: So I have my will drafted in English. That's my mother tongue. I need to have my will translated, obviously, into Arabic. How do I make sure that a will that I am happy with uh, would be uh, utilized in the right way here in the Emirates?
1: Well, the translation is um, its not just... Arabic translation uh, it has to be legal translation mm. for legal translation to uh, to take place actually it has to be translated by someone who has who has been appointed or licensed by the court to be a legal translator so okay. uh, in Dubai or Abu Dhabi there are translators certified translators and they will attest that the English or the Arabic translation is actually formal legal translation of the English for example however even that uh, needs to be Reviewed carefully, because let's face it, anytime you deal with translations of languages, special languages as different as Arabic and English, uh, it's, it's always good practice to have that translation vetted by another Arab speaker, and perhaps even a lawyer, to ensure that all the nuances, legal nuances, have been properly translated.
0: So that's in place. How, do I, uh, how, how can I be sure that the world would then be recognized here in the Emirates?
1: well and this is why these options exist and uh, because if if you've done one of those wills through any one of those options at least in theory your will has first of all you've drafted a will second Mm -hmm. of all you have registered registered with a particular government authority so just by virtue of that alone you have already evidence and proof that has been registered with the right authority that at least that instrument was meant to happen, that it wasn't some kind of a document that was drafted 20 years ago or by somebody else. So at least by that, you've verified the authenticity of that document. Now challenging the will is a separate question. And the idea of the DIFC and, and these other wills is that they should not be challenged, right? That you do this so that you have the certainty of this will being enforced. However, as we say that it's in practice, and it applies to in any jurisdiction, there are always ways to challenge. So, for example, if you have a will in the DIFC or in Dubai co- courts uh, that can potentially conflict with the laws of your country, your home country, you can see how, for example, the beneficiaries from your home country can come here and challenge that will, because after all the will was based on supposedly based on the laws of the deceased' home country right yep. because it's not Sharia it's some other law and the law is the law of their country so if now someone comes from that jurisdiction and and challenges the validity of that uh, will because it conflicts with those laws then you could see how it opens up a Pandora's box and it's it's a real scenario so therefore our advice is that to all the testators out there, those who are planning to draft a will, bear that in mind. So your will, you, it's, it's always better to have an instrument than not. But bear in mind that you can't, for example, in certain laws, you cannot, in certain jurisdictions, you cannot disinherit your children. So if you have a will here that uh, where by virtue of this will, you've given your assets to everyone, or your estate, everyone other than your children... And in your country that's, that's against public order, you can see how that will can fall apart. So as if you were thinking of doing a will, just you should have at least some general framework, understanding of your laws from your home country so that I mean, the idea of, of doing this will is that you can you have some certainty about what happens after your death. So a little bit of due diligence, and a little bit of, uh, of consultation with the right authorities um, should always be done before before you invest in drafting this instrument here and relying on it.
0: Scratching the surface, I think, of estate planning is a subject we're going to come back to in a future podcast. Lily Yamalova is the managing partner of the Dubai-based law firm Yamalava & Plethka. As ever, thank you.
1: Thank you. Always a joy to be chatting with you.
0: That's it for another edition of The Logical Podcast. Don't forget, if there's a specific question you need an answer to, not just estate planning, get in touch via lylawyers.com or any of our social channels and we'll try to answer it in a future edition of Logical.